Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, welcome to episode number 84 of the audio podcast with the VK Bros. Actually, I can't just refer to us to, as the VK Bros anymore because there's another set of VK Bros now. There it's is. It's not unique anymore. It's AVK Bro Senior, the edition. A, the VK Bro Senior edition. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. How are you, man? I'm um, better now. Um, sorry I couldn't be part of the uh, podcast last week, but I had no power. Mm-hmm. I had no internet. I couldn't get out of my street. There were emergency services ferrying people out of um, St. Lucia. There was only one. And then even a couple of days after that, there was only one way in and out of where I live. So that was a bit of of fun. Hmm. Well, certainly because we were... We're used to losing power, right? Growing up at Tambourine Mountain. Uh, Very common. Yeah. But most of us probably looked... Most people around us probably thought we were quite strange because we'd put buckets out while catching rainwater mm-hmm. to put in the back of the cisterns for the toilet. Mm-hmm. But town water is not affected by... Unless you've got an electronic pump that runs your water up, which mm-hmm. we don't, you just have a shower, but it's cold. Yeah. And you're running waters and you can flush, and, mm-hmm. but it was something I was not used to. Hmm. Hooray go. for uh, town water it's, it's and 20, infrastructure. It's 2022. 2022. <laughs> it is 2022. We've achieved. Um, yeah, it's an interesting, cause I, I had the same feeling when we were in, when we first moved into our place in Helensvale, because the place that we were at before didn't have town water. And then we had the power go out like three times and we're all like, not freaking out, but being sparing with the water. Yeah. And it's like, oh no, but the water's still there. I won't poo today. <laughs> yeah. Just, well, just save it. Just when, when things are stressful, sometimes <laughs> you just hold those things anyway. Speaking of stressful and also the VK bros, just to give a quick update on Jakey Boy. Uh, he's golden. He's passed every test that he needed to pass. The last of which was the eye test that we did yesterday, which was absolutely horrific. Oh, uh, yeah. It's in it's intense. Did you like my memes that I'd sent? Yeah. To no, the chat room? Oh, great. Um, so, essentially, again, just to catch everyone up... Uh, Jake was diagnosed as positive for CMV when he was born. What does that mean? It means he's at risk for a certain number of things. They had to do a whole bunch of tests. Uh, they already did his hearing test when he was at the hospital. He passed that. They did a, an MRI on his head in the hospital, on his brain, and passed that. Everything looked perfect. And the last thing was an eye test to do uh, on Thursday. And to do the eye test, so he's at this stage, what would he be, 13 days old? So they, with no, um, they don't sedate them or anything like that because they're babies. So they're like, what are you going to do about it? They're basically sedated. Yeah. They put some, I don't know if it's like a dye or some sort of liquid into their eyes, leave it for 40 minutes, and then they put those like metal clips on to hold their eyes open. Yeah. And then they stick a small camera in to their eyeball and behind it to look behind the eyeball. Because apparently the CMV virus, if it's if it has infected you and you're symptomatic, it affects the way your eyes develop, and they can see it on the back of the eyeball. So typical, typical, can't see it on the front. <laughs> doesn't doesn't affect how the front's developed. They have to actually stick a camera in your eye. So that is crazy. Oh yeah, and we when we went to go in. Amanda and I both went in with him. We didn't know what they were doing either. They were just like, oh, this is his test. They don't explain it to you before you get in the room. And we went in there and one of the medical staff goes, oh, can we only have one parent in here because it's pretty cramped and COVID and small room. I'll, I'll cop that. It was, there was already 
four medical staff in yeah. the room, plus Amanda, plus the baby, plus me. And, and what are you going to do? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So I'm like, well, I'll, I'll move out because Amanda's got the boobs <laughs> if he needs to feed or something like that. So I'm sitting out in the waiting room and then all I hear is Jake just screaming. Yeah. Screaming his little lungs out. And I'm like, what the fuck are they doing? And like, I felt that like adrenaline spike yeah, and stuff yeah. like that. And anyway, they come out probably, it didn't take long, a few minutes. And Amanda's crying because it was full on. Yeah, harrowing. Yeah, but at least they're like, everything's perfect. Mm. And you get the instant results. It's not then waiting for more stuff to come through. So we're very, very fortunate. Thank you, everyone, for all the messages that I've received uh, in regards to Jake. We are super, super fortunate that he's as good as he is. Mm. So, well, yeah, good. everything's good. Uh, I want a quick shout out to, is it PBD Podcast? Mm-hmm. It. I heard a podcast last week which is probably in my top three most important podcasts I think anyone can ever listen to. Yeah. Everyone that I've referred it on to that has since listened to it has said the same thing. Mm. So it's an it's an interview with Michael Saylor, mm-hmm. who is the CEO of a hedge fund called MicroStrategies, mm-hmm. who effectively got into Bitcoin only two years ago, and it is pretty much a one and a half hour monologue mm. from an absolute genius yeah uh, can we put a link in the yeah yeah I'll put a link in the uh, in the show notes it's fascinating absolutely fascinating something about when when you were speaking that's banging off like it's banging both off mm. and then when I speak yours doesn't really go up that much yeah I think it's because my voice is louder yeah okay so your mic's probably might have to, my voice up might have to wind it down a bit but um Seriously, if you now, it's I don't think. Well, I'd be interested to see your your opinion. Mm-hmm. I don't think it's for a crypto newbie. That that I, I think the or, or like even an investing newbie. I reckon mm-hmm. you have to be, you have to have some knowledge more so than, like I think it's I think it's like a level two. What yeah, do you see, I, I disagree with that. I. I think if you had never thought about investing at all in your entire life, the information that he gives you on how the financial system and structures work, will it'll convince you to actually get okay. started. Um, we'll put a link. Because obviously I'm not as heavy in the game as you are by any stretch of the imagination. You're about four years more advanced into crypto than I am. But listening to it as a relative... I'm, I'm a level two investor. Yep. Right? Exactly. I've just started. So listening to it, and it makes so much sense the way that he explains things, and it's a it's a fascinating look at the things that you don't understand about how the world works in regards to finances, yeah, and all of the different socio-economic things attached to it that you don't even think about, and also threats to your uh, your finance that you haven't thought about. But mm. I reckon if you looked back. You have been affected by all those things, but it's Absolutely. just never spoken about. Mm. So we'll put a link in there. I just think it is—it's an hour and a half. It is one—it's it, one of the most important podcasts I've ever listened to. Yeah, uh, it's I, that good. I completely agree. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and it, it, one of the biggest points I took out of it was his point on inflation, and yeah. inflation's very much in the news at the moment. And it's interesting because you, when you listen to the podcast and he explains that. Look, obviously, inflation, they always quote these inflation figures, and it's like 2%, 3.5%. Well, 3.5% is what they the Australia has just announced. Right. It's 3.5% inflation. So what that means is they, they believe everything has gone up in value 
by 3.5%. The buying power of the dollar has mm-hmm. reduced by a factor of 3.5%. Yeah. Now, he states, and I don't want to delve too much into what he said because mm-hmm. I think you need to listen to it. Mm-hmm. But the question I'd ask you listeners, how much more are you paying for the stuff now? Yeah. So is it 3.5% more? Because mm-hmm. I know I'm paying more than 3.5% more in fuel. Mm-hmm. I know I'm paying more than 3.5% in housing. Yep. And I'm paying more than 3.5% at the supermarket. Mm-hmm. So where's that 3.5 come from? That's right. And where that was one of the really interesting concepts that I took out of it, which it was a way of thinking about inflation I'd never thought about before, in that the way they hide what the real inflation figure is is by inflating the cost of assets. So like housing, for example. One of the things about the last two years, which really was bonkers when you look back at it, is how the global economy was almost shut down completely Mm. for two years. So if the economy shut down, that means there's not much money flowing around, right? Everyone was complaining about being out of work and having to be on these different benefits, which were only a fraction of what you could have earned before. And all this bad stuff happened financially and housing prices went up. But all markets went up. Mm. Not to say there was actually more money flying around than there's ever flown around before. Yet the narrative on TV was that you know, people weren't working. Mm-hmm. And look, it really just goes to show that there is a big divide between the working class and the, um, I don't want to call them Ill, the elites, yeah, but I hate the investor class. Yeah. The investor class made a fortune during mm-hmm. uh, during COVID. So, and look, I, I will say this, I had capital invested at the mm-hmm. time and I did very well at it. Yeah. And anyone that was invested in anything yeah, benefited. Yeah. If you were working from day to day and then you didn't have a job, well, guess what? You didn't go real good. Yeah. And that's one of the things that came up in conversation. This is this is months ago now, but mm-hmm. I'd spoken to someone about trying to recruit. I'm trying. I'm con- continuously trying to recruit new members to crypto, right? Because I just think it's mm-hmm. the future. No, I don't think. I know. And this guy goes on, totally risk averse. And I said, well, like, what do you mean? He goes, well, I just, I, I, all I do is save it or pay my house off. Mm-hmm. And I said, what's more risky than having a hundred percent of your income coming from a job, yeah. Like he it wasn't his company tomorrow. Yeah, it wasn't his company. Someone else's company. So if something else changes, and they just say we don't need you anymore. A hundred percent of your income is gone. Yeah, that's there's nothing more risky than that. That's right. So I'm I'm yeah yes I do I invest in some speculative mm-hmm. um, things, but I I have my money working for me. Yeah. yeah, and and whereas he was working for his money, and I think that's 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 a massive trap. And we need we need to get out of it. And these things will happen again. You know, last Friday, the government effectively shut down because no weather came, mm-hmm. right? So I couldn't get cars registered. Yeah, uh, that was the beta test for lockdowns for climate change. Was what happened in Queensland last Friday? Yeah. So if you don't think that these things aren't going to happen, mm-hmm. they're already happening. Yeah, they're already. If someone would have told you that no rain's gonna gonna come. And they're going to shut down government buildings and, and tell school kids to stay home. Mm. You'd say that's crazy. Because the thing, it wasn't even government buildings. Like, we got a message from our daycare centre, and we don't send aid on a Friday anyway, so it didn't affect us. But they send out this community message saying that due to the advice from the government, they were open only for the children of essential workers. Yeah. So it's happening again. We had this whole essential, who's essential, who's not essential yeah. during COVID. And now all of a sudden we're having the same thing when it comes now, to flooding, which didn't even occur. Now, yes, it was uh, an extreme event. Like this was mm-hmm. after the, the, the floods, but 
we'd had the floods. Like, yeah. And, and this, is where, this is where, I suppose, what we've been a proponent of from the beginning is that it should be up to us to make decisions That's like right. that. That's right, yeah. And, and, and uh, Palaszczuk got slammed, but she's just saying, well, that, that was the advice I got. Blame yeah, them. And this, but my yeah. argument is, get better advice. Well, no, it's, your, your, it's not your even advice, that. Your advice has been incorrect countless, countless times. Yeah. So either don't use that as an excuse and take ownership of it, mm-hmm. or if, you, if that is really your excuse, well, you need to look at your advisors. Yeah, but see, this is the other problem too. We don't have leaders anymore. We've got people who delegate all of their responsibility to unelected bureaucrats. Yeah. And the issue is, if you get advice from a meteorologist on what could potentially be the worst case scenario when it comes to a, a flood or incoming weather event they're going to use their expertise, which is purely based on meteorology, and go, this is your worst-case scenario. Because remember, with all their modelling and shit they've done for the last two years, all of it was based on worst-case scenario. Yeah. Right? And if that's the only piece of advice that you get, then you obviously you're only going to act on that. What a real leader's supposed to do is take advice from the meteorologist about what's the worst-case scenario when it comes to the weather coming. And then they need to go to the town planners or whoever takes care of the dams and the infrastructure and go, okay, can this infrastructure handle this? If it can't, what's going to be the main thing that's going to be affected? And then they go, okay, so I'm now going to take advice from whether it's psychologists on you know the pandemic effects on people so far and now we're doing this to them again what's the risk reward payoff for like can we just warn people and let them make their own decisions and not treat them like children for once i think well it's not for once that's how it's always been it's we've never up until the last two years it has never been like this there is never a time that they've shut down a city yeah but sorry besides uh i I think brisbane they there was a stay-at-home order uh, years ago in Brisbane because there was a fact like a chemical factory fire mm-hmm. but apart like apart from that is the only thing I can think of where the government in my mind has overstepped and, yeah. and, and it's just another example of where we need to take responsibility for our stuff well that's it's right us. but we need to be allowed to take responsibility for our Correct. stuff that's one of the things that Sweden got right when it came to the mm-hmm. pandemic so everyone thinks that when you talk about Sweden, how they had literally no COVID restriction laws at all. They're like, people think that Sweden did nothing. It's not they didn't do anything. They educated and then they trusted their people yeah. to actually make the, make the right decisions for themselves. Because let's face it, everyone's circumstances are different. Some people can afford not to go to work. Mm. Some people can't afford not mm. to go to work. Those two people should be allowed to make the decisions which are right for them. Yeah, as opposed to making decisions for the lowest common denominator. That's right. And we, our governments are treating us like children now. Yeah. Like, we are being treated like children. And look, fair enough, when you've got... Like, during the floods, when you hear stories about how someone was out at 2.30 in the morning and has gotten washed away in the flood water and died, that seems like a really dumb thing to do. Now, we don't know the circumstances as to why they were out on the streets at 2 a.m. in the morning during floods... We don't know. If it was just going out for a drive, that's pretty dumb. But that's one person. What happened to the other 5 million people that live in the state? Mm. Did they go out and do the wrong things? Well, no, probably not. Most people, if you educate them and you give them all of the information, they'll generally make a pretty good decision. Yeah. Right? They're not going to go out of their way to do the wrong thing. And I'm all for... I'm all for, like, the text message. There was a text message that came around from a 444 number Mm -hmm. that said that like there was a weather, a significant weather event coming. Yep. And like, I'm all for that. So then you can make arrangements. Mm-hmm. But there, I wonder if that moment 
really hurts people's perception of her. I don't think it does. Mm. I think we're so far into the psychological programming from the last two years. Because the biggest concern for me was how willing everyone was, not everyone, but how willing a very large percentage of people were to drop everything they were doing and adhere to the stay-at-home order. It happened straight away. And well, it's the I have same to say, people. Driving home, so I went to the gym, because just just for the record, there was no rain. It did not rain at all. Mm-hmm. There was no wind. It was a normal day. Mm-hmm. Finish up at the gym, driving home at four thirty. I've never, ever. I've been living uh, living in Brisbane, I think, for five years now. I've never, ever, ever had less traffic home. Mm. Never. Yeah. It was like, and and I'm talking COVID days, like height mm-hmm. of the pandy. Yeah. There, there were there were less cars around on that day. Mm. Crazy. It was such a weird feeling. And and yeah, it's like, what was the benefit of that? They, they put it in place a stay-at-home order. You've shut down at least a city for Cost a whole day. Grand. Cost you how much? Eight grand. Eight grand? Well, I was supposed to do a delivery that day. Yeah. Couldn't, do it. Couldn't register the car because of Queensland Transport. And they sent me on a uh, wild goose chase too because I went to the one in Tuong. Yeah. It said, you can't go here, go to the city. So I go to the city, said, you can't go here, go to the one in Sherwood. Go to the Sherwood one, it goes, oh, they're all closed. Yeah. So it cost you $8,000, and that's over the weekend too because it was a Friday that did the lockdown. Yeah. So I, I guess what we're trying to say is this. Uh, as a as a taxpayer, Queensland taxpayer, or any taxpayer around the country, any citizen, we should be educated on what the potential risks are that are coming up, mm. and we should be allowed to make our own informed decisions on what we want to do. Yeah, and that goes for anything in life. Yep. Obviously, floods, uh, vaccines, whatever the the subject happens to be. But I guess what this all comes down to for me, what what I'm most scared of is how well-trained our society has become to just drop everything that they're doing and do what they're told straight away. Yeah, because that, question. Because that blind... Blind faith has never been a positive thing in history. Yeah. Blind faith is what led to people drinking the Kool-Aid, yeah. you know, and and passing away. Yeah, you can't relinquish... And, and I see this massively from a finance point of view, is if you if you are leaving the, dis, the, the, the decision-making in your... Uh, for your circumstances to be made by someone else, mm-hmm. it's only going to go bad. Yeah. Whereas the, you need to educate yourself yeah, and you need to look right. after yourself. Yeah. And, and we, the problem is it's it's very comfortable for people to do that. Yeah. Because then you've got someone else to blame when everything goes wrong. Is that what Loki says when he when he first comes in, in uh, Avengers? And he's like, people don't want free will. They want to be told what to do. Yeah. So Neil, you yeah. know, and that's, you know, Palaszczuk's two horns away from being Loki. <laughs> Two, two horns and about 30 kilos away from being Loki, I reckon. Um, it's but, it's, but it's true. Like, as much as... Like, human beings, we are social creatures by nature. And it's it's in our de- DNA to fit into groups. Mm. And that, that innate quality is supposed to be a beautiful thing. But it's been abused for years now. Yeah. And... It's, it gets worse and worse and worse and worse. And like we, we were talking about last year how we thought the next step after all of these COVID lockdowns was going to be lockdowns due to climate change. Yeah. Now, you would have seen with all the flooding, what do they talk about on TV all the time? They're talking about, oh, the effects of climate change and these weather events, we can expect to see more of them and rant, 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 rant. So you're just getting conditioned again for the next thing. Can I... I know we spoke about this during the week and, and I, I want to... I want to come clean mm-hmm. with my attitudes towards the people that got caught in the floods. Mm-hmm. Sure. As controversial, <laughs> controversial as this is, 
it was just really... pretend we're in the confessional, mate. It's just you, me, and the Lord. In but I'm, I, I, I want to be real. I didn't help anyone in the floods. Mm-hmm. I've sent no money. I've yep. helped no one out. There's people at bottoms of both of my street mm-hmm. that have been pulling trash out of their place. I've done nothing. Mm-hmm. And I was like, that's really bad of me. Mm-hmm. And my only justification for it is that there are systems in place already. Mm. Like, all, all, all that stuff is there. Now, it's, it, it appears that in Lismore, it's not the case. Yeah. It, it appears that... And, and to Queensland's um, credit. Now, credit, Monday morning, the army were on my street. Right. SES crews were there all weekend, mm-hmm. working from, like, 6 a.m. till 6 p.m., doing an amazing job. Yeah. Constantly ferrying. There was boats in the floodwater picking people up. The fireys were there. There was onto it. Like action, instant action, mm-hmm. and Lismore probably got hit days after after us, mm. and it's been like two weeks after to get yeah. similar sorts of um. Even though theirs was catastrophic compared to ours, yeah. But like with the Lismore thing, as as bad as it sounds, like we know that's a flood area, yeah. Like you know, in Brisbane, Brisbane's a flood area mm-hmm. as well. We know where the water gets to. This shed, the place that we're talking from right now mm. was built after the 70s floods yeah because of the floods yeah so this was unaffected so autobros cars are fine <laughs> yeah but we know and and when you're next to the river and the river comes up really close to you already mm. what do you think is going to happen yeah we're, we're in a significant event now i'm not taking away like everyone needs a place to live blah blah blah. Mm. there is insurance except if you're in lismore there is insurance um most of your stuff is looked after. There are government um, um, funds available and some emergency crews will be mobilised. Mm-hmm. You know, the council organised a, a pickup. There's also going to be a trade-off too. Like living in Lismore, you live, it, things are significantly cheaper than if you were to live elsewhere. Mm-hmm. Well, there is a cost associated with that cheapness. Yeah. And it's like going out far west. You've got access to less services, which is why yeah. things like housing and stuff is so much cheaper. Yeah, yeah. So from a, from a and, and look, it sounds heartless, and it, it, it is heartless. It's a very robotic way to think, but mm. it's, I, I find it hard. I struggle to to get past it. Now, sure, people have lost sentimental things, and you know, and that sucks. That really sucks. Mm. But in terms of oh, and we should not be. We, should, we I definitely don't want to let up the fact that I don't think the government has acted uh, swiftly enough. I do believe that there were some. Uh, issues physically getting the people there access because if you think that storm cell was moving south mm. and we're talking the far northern rivers of New South Wales, yeah. So unless we're going to send Queensland people down to New South Wales, <clears throat> but because we have states, we don't do that. Yeah, but is that the same when it comes to the military? If you well, military out? no, mi- mi- military's um, federal. Um, federal. So yeah. Uh, yeah, but I believe that they're, they're now. I think we need to have a proper investigation, understand what was going through, and make sure that we do better next time. Because mm-hmm. it, it's insane to think that the people should have to go and do that. But now, Lismore needs to be moved. Yeah. Like if you rebuild there, like when was the last one? When was the last flood? Twenty seventeen. Yeah, it wasn't long ago. So it's like every five to seven years up joint floods. Mm. We'll move it. No, just, and, and, just solve climate change, mate, and it'll be fixed. But if, but yet, yeah, part of solving the climate change thing is moving to higher ground. Yeah. Right? Yeah, like, it, it is a good point. And so my house is in Helensvale, right near the wetlands. 
and when we went to look at buying our place, we uh, the in-laws worked for the council. So we got we checked all the flood plans and everything like that. Now our house has never flooded, so we were fine, which is good. And you're right. Like the, the, I guess this is one of the things where it's kind of uh, this is maybe the negatives of what we are talking about before where people should be allowed to make their own informed choices. You know, the people who live in these flood areas, they've made a choice to live there. And is that an example of something where they should rezone those residential areas and say you can't well, have resis here anymore? I would say economically it already is. It's priced into it. Mm. So the choice is priced in. So it's not like... It's not like the government says you have to live here and then it, it floods. The free market says this area is a cheaper area. Look at the value because that you get. Floods. But every seven years, you don't have a house anymore. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? So, um, and I, I'd spoken to someone today that, that knows a guy in Mwoolumba mm. and he gets flooded all the time, but he knows it. Right. So he puts 20 grand a year away. He goes, he goes my house is $40,000 a year cheaper than mm. a, a, anywhere else. So I put 20 grand away and I know that every five, seven years, mm-hmm. I've got to rebuild the whole downstairs area. Yeah. And I'm set up and I've, I've got my own systems in place that, you know, all the important stuff comes up. And, yeah, okay, so it's all over it. Yeah, and, and look, it sucks. Mm. Like, don't get... It, it sucks and it's it's a big job that that everyone's got to go through mm-hmm. um, to clean it up. I you know I've I've got close ties to Lismore. I worked there for for, for years. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I know it. I know some of the people down there, and it sucks. Yeah. But at the same time, yes, I think we need to address some of the um, some of the uh, issues there. Mm-hmm. But the real big one is that joint needs to go. Like, sorry, not go. Move. Move. Yeah. It's, it, it's it sounds like the wildest thing in the world, but. What do you want? If you're going to build a, um, a, a village at the bottom of a bathtub, guess what? <laughs> it's not that wild. Like, it it's it makes perfect sense. It's, if it's an area that's prone to flooding and has had major flooding twice in five years, it's probably time to move to high ground yeah. or move to somewhere that's Swap, less And there's farmland around there. Swap with the farmer. Yeah. Hey, farmer, guess what? You get the entire Lismore. Let's swap mm. because you can move your cattle... You know, whereas we can't move all this infrastructure. Yeah. So, yeah, it's it's it's. But then, look, the high ground thing will be priced in the market. So, mm. so that that's what makes it hard. Maybe the government does does prop it up, but mm. it's it's a sticky situation. I don't think putting a carbon tax is going to fix it. No, no, no. And yeah, you you had an interesting theory about the uh, assistance from the military. In that, the biggest thing about the Northern Rivers, because we worked down there for such a long period of time, and if you talk to any locals down there, you realise pretty quickly that the Northern Rivers of New South Wales is the forgotten part of New South Wales, because it's way too far away from Sydney where all the decisions are made. And you had the sort of half-tongue-in-cheek theory. No, that the reason why the military didn't get that all that, didn't get there all that quickly is because the powers that be in Sydney and Canberra were trying to wait just to see how far south that flooding would go before they deployed the troops. Batuta put a headline up that was um, uh, half the state's ADF have been mobilised as a wheelie bin fell over in Cronulla. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Right? Yeah. Yeah. And, and, And it was pretty clear to see that mm. and it was the same deal when it came to like um state divides i had a mate tell me this morning too when we were discussing this 
the state lines have got in the way of helping people. That's you right. Know, when the when those COVID plastic borders went up, yeah, it ruined so many people. And like, all we need to do is move it like four blocks south, and that would have fixed a lot of problems. Yeah. No. 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 I don't care. Mm-hmm. You know. So. We don't care. Yeah, there's zero zero empathy from from the politicians. Yeah. Like, oh, no. and me. There's zero empathy for me. I had no empathy, but I, I'd like to th- think that you I'm had empathy for the border towns. Like during COVID, you had empathy for them because yeah. we lived that experience too. Like working in Tweed Heads, living in Queensland, which is a very common thing for people to do. We've lived that experience, and we knew that how much of a fuck around that was for people that we still knew who worked down there. I have an issue with I have an issue with arbitrary lines being major problems. Yeah, causing. Yeah, yeah. Pain and heartache for no no reason, mm. you know. So this yeah. is this is my thing about the whole situation is in the last two and a half years, and obviously we've had we had bushfires, we had COVID, and then we've had flooding. Those have been our three massive problems that the at least the eastern seaboard of the country has experienced the most in the last. And Skomo was absent at all of them. <laughs> yeah. Anyway. <laughs> He doesn't hold the hose, mate. He wasn't going to do much. Uh, so you had those three disasters. And there's a big key difference between two of them and one of them, which is the bushfires and the flooding were largely a natural disaster. Now, there are many arguments that could be said about the level of impact that man had on those disasters, whether it's through cutting funding to the bush to the fireys, which is what happened particularly in New South Wales, mm. which is what contributed to these massive bushfires because there was less money invested into doing things like controlled burns and stuff like that. So obviously there's a major the fact issue. that controlled burns were banned. And there was that too. Yeah. Um, so you've obviously you've got some human uh, we human we made management. it worse. Yeah. Right. But this COVID disaster appears to be completely man made. And I'm not talking about the virus. The disaster itself is our the, response to the virus. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right? Which is a man-made response. That was not yep. natural, was not forced upon us. Yep. Our response to it was man-made. And it was an absolute disaster. And what I've got a major issue with when regards to people... Cause the, the one thing that I've learned in the last three years, we can only rely on us. You can't rely on politicians to come and help you. You yep. can't rely on anyone else. You've got to rely on yourselves and your communities. Yep. So the number one thing that you can do to keep yourself safe is to do your own research into whatever it is, and that includes vaccines, viruses, Japanese encephalitis, where you live. like Finances. Yep, all of these things to make sure that you and your family are as safe as you possibly can be. Mm. And then, if you're safe and you're locked up and you're secure, then you can help the people that are close to you. That's what I'd like to see happen. What grinds my gears out of all this stuff is virtue signalers. I saw many, 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 many people on social media going to help at the floods as a photo op to virtue signal on how good a people they are. Is that including um, government ministers and the military? Yeah, but I don't even <laughs> but, talk about that, yeah, right? Yeah. I'm talking about people. And unfortunately, we it, we seem to be so narcissistic as a society yeah, now that everything's a fucking photo op. So you coming out here and, and, and coming clean and saying that you <laughs> didn't help anyone. I'm, I'm worse than those people. At least it's honest. Yeah. You know, the yeah. amount of people that I saw on my page and I'm like... I know full well you didn't do all that much. You've just gone down for a photo op to virtue signal that you're a good person. Now, that, that's one problem with it. The other problem I have is 
how quickly we mobilised to assist people in need, which was fantastic when yeah. it was a flooding issue, but we didn't do that for the last two years. Yeah. The last two years, with this man-made response to COVID, instead of actually mobilising and working together and helping each other and being good to each other, we just we just went full Lord of the Flies and we just everyone was in it for themselves. And yeah. we start all the way back with people getting to fights at the supermarket over fucking toilet paper. Right? Oh, dude, I, I, I remember... Do you remember the first couple of weeks in the motor trade where people were coming in saying, it's a middle of the global pandemic, I'm offering you half of yep. what your car is because you guys are going to be desperate. That's right. Like savages. People yeah, came yeah. out as complete savages. Yeah. Whereas, yeah, the, the, the flood thing has brought out the good, hmm. uh, the good in people. That's right. Now, it's the difference between one's a, one, one's a real issue and the other one is not Man- an issue. Manufactured issue, yeah. Can you, um, do, me a, can you do me a mathematical favour? Hmm. Can you... Because I know that the Sweden death numbers were quite high, but... Can you see what the last two years have been as a death number and then compare it by, by, by per, deaths per 100,000 to compare it up against our number? Because I looked and, and, and I'd had the argument with someone before. I said, oh, like Sweden had done it freely. And I said, yeah, but look at their death number. And I'm like, mm, ours is just delayed because we're dying. You know, Queensland is, what, uh, 10 a day, 10 to 30 a day. Now, I don't know what all of Australia is. I stopped looking, but mm. I'm sure we're catching up. Yeah. And then we've got WA to go as well. Yeah, well, I was going to say... Which w- hasn't, hasn't had their wave yet. Yeah, WA is... is it, it's it's a lesson in insanity. Like, they sat there, think, like, putting all of these inhumane restrictions on people. Like, I don't know if you guys would have seen the story during the week about the t- terminally ill mother of five who's not... She banned, she's been given three months to live. She's banned from seeing her children because they're not allowed to visit her in the hospital. For what? For her safety. Yeah. Just in case she gets COVID and dies. She's terminally ill. She's banned from her kids. That's what I'm talking about. Arbitrary lines. Yeah. Same with traffic, right? You've got a line on the road or you've got a light and a light is supposed to tell you what, you know, what's, what's right and what's wrong. Yeah. And I always find it very surprising that people are quite happy to just drive with gay abandon through a, through a green light. Mm. Whereas being a motorbike rider, you know that you have to look left and right because you can't just trust that everyone is going to abide right. by a light. It's the same as when you see traffic lights go out and people actually have to exercise some judgment. Everyone slows down a little bit. They yeah. let people go. Like yeah. they, It actually functions better. Dude, you look at, you look at those uh, street views of like Mumbai where there's a yeah. million cars an hour that drive through and it's chaos, but it's organised chaos. Yeah. So... I've just looked up these stats. I'm just grabbing. So Sweden's population is 10.35 million people. Yep. And they have so had... Cl- it's close to half of us. Yeah, close to half of us. Uh, and they've had 17,693 deaths from 2.46 million cases. So that death number is higher, obviously, than us. What are we at at the moment? Um... And we do have to take... I do believe... Well, no, let's not. Let's just go raw, raw data for now before we make an excuse. Uh, excuse being so Australia's really had three and a half million cases. We've had a million more cases. And we have had five and a half thousand deaths. So we've had one third of the amount of deaths from a million more cases. So statistically speaking, we've done a better job than Sweden Have has. they fallen off the... Have they fallen off? Like, are they not getting any more deaths anymore? Yeah, as far as the actual... Uh, oh, it looks like they're they're increasing now. Is that BT2? Potentially. 
Um, I'm not sure what like the dominant variant is or anything over there, but their seven day average of deaths is 48 now. What's ours? Ours would be ours would be that or more. Uh, but then again, half the population. Yes, but the... but then what? But in let's have a look at what you know their statistics say in in all cause well, mortality. Our, our seven day average is 29. But this is the other thing they need to keep in mind. In Sweden, it's winter. Yeah. In Australia, it's summer. Respiratory viruses aren't supposed to be spreading as much at the moment over here, whereas over there they should be in peak season. But you, you, you. That's the other. I'd point. be interested to see what their suicide rate was. Yeah, all cause mortality. Yeah, yeah. And, and like you said, you, you had numerous times where you weren't getting the proper care. I know lots of people that haven't been able to go to therapy because of yeah um, mandates and things like that. So, mm-hmm. and they haven't done any of that. Yeah. So I'd be. You got to look at the whole picture. That's right, and the big number. Unfortunately, it's going to take years before we will get yeah. all of the raw data that we need. But the question's going to be. All cause mortality. What was was there an increase, an overall increase or decrease in all cause mortality? Yeah. Because, like you said, if we, let's say that we've saved twelve thousand COVID deaths compared to Sweden, but we've got an excess fifty thousand deaths when it comes to you know heart attacks from stress, or if it's suicides, mm. or domestic violence, domestic all of those things. Because yeah. everybody knows all those problems went astronomically through the roof in the last two years. Yeah. We are definitely not in a better place now than we were two years ago. No. The other thing too, economy-wise, Sweden, Sweden's economy has been humming the whole time. Yeah. Like it took a little bit of a downturn right at the beginning just like everyone else did and then it recovered real quick in 2020 and has been humming the entire time. There is a cost of life associated with the economy. Yeah. When the economy is going well, generally the society is healthier. Yeah. Right? Because you've got more money, more taxes being paid, which gives you more access to facilities, more access more to... purpose for life. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly right. So, yeah, look, it's really tricky. And obviously, the other big benefit that Australia has is we are a massive continent. Sweden does not have any... Like, if you look at population density-wise, Australia would shit all over Sweden mm. when it comes to space per person. Mm-hmm. So we can stay away from each other. Much, much harder to do in Sweden. Obviously, everybody knows or should know now about the correlation between vitamin D levels and adverse outcomes yeah. from COVID. Sweden gets a lot less sunlight than we do here in Australia. Yeah. Like, we, we've literally... If you, if you took the into- every country in the world... The Rona lottery. Well, won yeah, the- we won the lottery. Yeah. Exactly. Like, if you... Let's say that you were starting a new video game called COVID nineteen, and you had to select it, your difficulty. That's a Microsoft product. <laughs> Is it? It'd be Bill Gates. Yeah, it would be. But let's say you had to select your difficulty. Easy mode would be Australia, mm. and it's like it would go through all the benefits, and it's like you know large amounts of vitamin D, uh, landlocked island away from the rest of the world, like yeah. blah, 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 blah. all of these different benefits that we've got over here. Can we talk Pfizer papers? Yeah, let's let's talk let's talk five papers. So something that well, hold on. First off, first off is that Pfizer didn't want, not want to release these papers. Mm-hmm. They wanted to release a certain amount per year for seventy seven seventy five years. years, I think it was. And a freedom of information court case went through in Texas, where the Texas judge is like, "Nah, you've got to release forty thousand papers a month." I can't remember what the number is, but it. Essentially, it'll all be released by July, I think, is the end. Yeah. The finish date. I'll give you the tip. If the ATO comes around and they need your papers... Uh, yeah, you <laughs> won't be able to go, oh, just give us 75 years for that, yeah, Brad. Yeah, yeah. 
Yeah. It's... Now, what's in the papers, Jason? What's in the first release? Well, this is where it's funny. Well, not funny. It's very interesting. Because, as we discussed earlier, if you were, if you were trying to hold off from releasing documents... For 75 years. Now, these are the papers that the FDA used when it came to approving the Pfizer vaccine and they approved it within 108 days. That was the time period. Mm. And it's hundreds of thousands of pages of, of data. So they were able to read all of these pages and make enough of an informed decision to approve this vaccine within 108 days. And then they didn't want to release these documents in full for 75 years, which, interestingly enough, the average life expectancy for most people is about 80 to 85. Right. So the majority of people would be who took the vaccine would be dead before the data <laughs> fillings. Yep. Right? Now, they've done a bit of a document dump, and a lot of the stuff, like, it's... Because I've, I've tried reading through a lot of it. And again, I'll put another link into so you can actually go through and read the papers yourself. Uh, a lot of it is just in a hodgepodge of different PDFs. They are PDFs, so they're not easy to use a search function too, which I think is also by design. Yeah. So you can't just search for key terms. But obviously the most glaring document in the first bundle is the document of adverse events. Oh, sorry, there's two. There's two most glaring. The first one's actually one of the first documents that you read when you, when you go and have a look through the documentation, which shows you that in the first three months of this vaccine being released to the world. And again, it wasn't from every country because if you guys remember back to the start of the vaccine rollout, not every country had vaccines ready to go straight away. Australia didn't because for whatever reason, ScoMo didn't cut a deal soon enough. So we weren't one of these initial countries. But in the first... Was it Israel, Israel, Canada, yeah, USA, Israel, UK? Yeah, Canada, America, UK, Spain. There was, there was quite a few countries right. that, that had them before we did. Uh, but... They, there was 1,223 deaths recorded in the first three months. So that's from December 2020 to February 2021. Mm. There was 1,223 deaths recorded post-vaccination during that period of time, which means every country that has had bureaucrats like us, so over here we had the TGA, and remember... The TGA never ran their own trial on these vaccines. Yeah. They approved the vaccines based on the best available information, which would have been this data, and they still saw it as the benefits outweighed the risks and therefore still approved it. Now, going back to that period of time, I can half cop that the benefits outweigh the risks, but the biggest issue is that the document has it's redacted with the total amount of vaccines were administered at the time, to be able to relate that 1,223 okay, so I, I, I want to emphasise that. So there was 1,223 deaths. There was 55,000 adverse events yep. recorded yep. on redacted amount of vaccines That's given. right. So, so we don't know what the number is. Which therefore... basically makes those two numbers irrelevant. Because yep. if the number was they'd given out a billion vaccines, yep. well, guess what? Who cares? That's right. It's a you, tiny percentage. You would read that and you'd go, oh, shit, that's a really low percentage. I like those odds. I'll go and take it. But if they gave 55,001, hmm. that's pretty bad. Yeah. Now, the fact that it's redacted makes me think it's closer to 56,001 than it is to a billion. Yeah. So that's very concerning. The other very concerning part is 
the nine pages of listed adverse events. Yeah, okay, so uh, uh, you're far more analytical in this, in this space, but when I was watching a, a, a video on it, and I do want to give a shout-out to Dr. Dr. John, John Campbell, Campbell. Yeah. but my jaw dropped when he was scrolling down, and I was mm. like, the first page I thought was bad because there's no line spacing. Mm-hmm. It's it's word, word, or word, comma, word, comma, word, comma, word. It's yeah. A4 pages packed with mm. text. It's nine straight pages. Nine pages, and that is the list of adverse events, yeah. which I feel like they went to what ailments do humans have? <laughs> control A, <laughs> control C, control V. Yeah. Uh yeah, it's, it's, look, it, unfortunately, it's really troubling. But the most troubling thing about it is not the data itself. It's the way the data was withheld. So if, if, if the TGA would have come out right at the beginning and said, we're approving this, we don't know the exact number of shots that are administered, but based on the fact that there's been 55,000 adverse events, let's say that every single person that had the vaccine administered had an adverse event, and out of that 55,000 people, only 1,200 people passed away. Well, if we compare those results against the case-to-death ratio of COVID in Australia in 2020, Mm. which was roughly 29,000 cases for 909 deaths, that number actually looks worse than the vaccine number. Mm. Therefore, if you're making a a choice on which Mm. way you go... You could half justify by going, we feel like vaccine's the right way to go because, statistically speaking, you've got better odds by taking the vaccine than by getting yep. the disease. I'd cop that. Was that the discourse that we had in public? Fuck no. No. The no, discourse was this. It's safe and effective. Yeah. And remember the headline number, 95% effective against preventing symptomatic SARS-CoV-2 infection. That was the headline like number. That was the headline uh well, the headline from every news story about that vaccine when it was first launched. We were like chomping at the bit to get this vaccine because of the way it was marketed to us by a company like Pfizer who's been done for huge amounts of money for mismarketing their drugs mm. in the past as well. So and this is financially inducing doctors to sell said. Yeah. yeah. So this is staggering. And obviously there's so many things that are uh, linked to this, which we've gone through in the past, but it's just further justification for everything all the red pillars have been saying for two years. And what it gets back to for me is that at this point in time, the, the risk benefit ratio for taking the vaccines compared to the disease has completely changed. Mm-hmm. And there is no acknowledgement of that from our officials. There is no acknowledgement of that from the TGA, yeah. right? This vaccine is based off that original strain, the Wuhan flu. That hasn't been circulating for about 18 months. Yeah. Nobody. So Dr. Nick Coatesworth just came out. He was on TV a few days ago talking about how everyone should go and get their flu shot before winter because, hey, funnily enough, you can still get other diseases, mm. right? COVID's not the be-all and end-all as much as the medical profession doesn't think that's mm. the case anymore. And he was saying everyone should go and get their flu shot. Because you need an up-to-date flu shot, because there's new strains of flu coming out Mm. this year, as there is every year, as every epidemiologist or virologist said at the beginning of this vaccine rollout, where they've never been able to do a 100% bulletproof sterilizing vaccine for respiratory virus in history because they mutate so quickly. And yet, our health officials and politicians in Australia are still recommending that people go out and take a booster dose 
of a vaccine that was based on a 2020 version of the virus in yeah. 2022. It's it's the most nonsensical thing in the world. Kids that literally don't die of COVID. Yeah, and this is the troubling stuff. So as soon as I saw that documentation about the adverse events, I went looking through it for the things that were relevant to my family. And obviously, Amanda was pregnant when the rollout was coming out. And we had made a decision as a family that we didn't want her getting the, the vaccine while she was pregnant because we had no clue what could potentially happen. And I want to go back to the fact that any lady out there who's been pregnant, think about the conversations you've had with your doctor in the past about what you're allowed to eat, what you're not allowed to eat, what vitamins you're allowed to take. She wasn't allowed to take vitamin C. Mm. Vitamin C, it's a fucking vitamin. Mm. And yet we were like, oh, yeah, let's just inject you with this experimental vaccine. And when you say experimental vaccine, everyone just goes, conspiracy theorists. It was experimental. We, it, it's, this technology's never been used before, mm. ever, right? So going through the list of adverse events and there was even just blatant stillbirth was one of the adverse events that was listed. But there was things like deep vein thrombosis in the uh, umbilical cord. Mm. So blood clotting of the umbilical cord. Uh, that's a big fucking problem yeah. for the baby. You know, and we are so fortunate that we were able to get through nine months without her getting COVID, without her getting... Like she's obviously picked up a couple of other issues. Yep. Which, again, the CMV thing we weren't warned about from our doctors. When we went to the hospital to get the eye test done on Thursday, even the nurse was like, we talk about CMV here every single day because this is our part of the hospital. Yeah. This is what we're dealing with. And she goes, we don't get it. They don't fucking talk to people about yeah. it. Yeah. And we're like, so... I still ask people about it and they've never heard of yeah, it. Yeah. And like parents. Never yeah. And I'll, I want to be, you know, I want to get the I want to get the word out there. So... Any of you, if you know anybody who's looking at having children, tell them about CMV. Tell them if they've got toddlers already, please try to avoid contact with their saliva, with their urine, because that's how the majority of people yeah. get it. Please go and get yourself tested for it early on. We have a friend of ours that was trying to have kids um, and was having some delays and turned out to be a blessing in disguise because it turns out she got CMV. So she would have had it right when she was conceiving. Right. Right? Go and get yourself tested and... Try to do the right things that you can to avoid these these issues because CMV can cause major developmental issues. And I remember seeing, not in these size of documents, but there was a uh, COVID-like fact sheet on the TGA website. And it was talking about pregnancy. And it was saying that their data has shown that if a woman gets COVID who is pregnant, the COVID doesn't go through to the fetus. Right. So the, the reason why they keep pushing vaccines for pregnant women is because generally whenever any sickness that you get, the woman cops it and the body does everything it can to protect the fetus, which right. is why pregnant women can get very ill very quickly. But the baby is normally fine. So the whole point of getting this vaccine was to protect the mother from an adverse outcome from getting COVID. Like xenomorphs. Like xenomorphs. Yeah, 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 exactly. It's exactly the same. Yeah. <laughs> but that was the whole point yeah. of it. And this bullshit rhetoric about, oh, if you get it, then some of your antibodies go through to the feet. Fuck off. Like, yeah. this, all this stuff, like, honestly, I'm so upset about this. Yeah. Because there is nothing more important than to the human race... Not letting old health- people die. <laughs> yeah. yeah, apparently. No, there's nothing more important to the fucking human race than the health of our children. Yeah. That's it. That's what we're here to do. Yeah. 
you know, you, you're going to make your empire and then you're going to die and there's no one there to leave it to. And that's totally cool. It's what you want to do. What is going to happen for human beings is the next generation is going to do things for the next generation, the next generation, and so on and so forth. Give these kids their chance to have their real proper life and enjoy it however they want to do so. But we got to protect kids. And honestly, the, the medical profession will be... I guarantee you there's doctors if they're actually fucking reading it because that's another point I made to you during the week. Everyone seems to put doctors up on this pedestal like they're smarter than everyone else in the world. Guess what? They're not. They're just as lazy as we are. No, no. So uh, to be clear, we're not saying doctors. We're saying people are people. Yeah. People are doctors Mm -hmm. and certain people are lazy. That's right. And so there are good doctors, yep. and there are ordinary doctors, mm-hmm. and then there are bad doctors. Yep, as there are in every profession. And yep. that's what I'm saying. I'm not having to go at doctors. Yeah. I'm just saying, let's not put doctors up on a pedestal like they're 100% all over every ounce of literature that comes out in regards to medical uh, changes in the science. Because, unfortunately, there's a lot of doctors that ain't. They're not reading all the new stuff. They're not reading what... And, and they're like just doing the, what they're told. They're like, just following orders. Like the therapists that won't see people face to face for mental yeah. health issues. But you can go. But you'll go to Woolworths. Mm-hmm. And now, like, there's no mask mandate here in yeah. Queensland anymore. So you go to Woolworths, but you won't see a mentally ill patient I know. because of COVID. Yeah, and my accountant tried to do it. My accountant's yeah. like, "Oh, we're not doing face to face." Yeah. What? No, mate. Okay, if we're not doing face-to-face, how much discount are you giving yeah, me, bruh? I've changed accounts. Yeah. Yeah. And that, but that's, that's the thing. Unfortunately, it's always that case of making the best out of a good crisis. There are a lot of people who are just taking the, the COVID liberties. excuse. Taking yeah, taking liberties with it. That's right. Mm. I don't want to go into work today. So if you want to do this, we're doing it over the phone while I'm at home in my pyjamas. Yeah. Rather than going to the office and giving you the proper service. Oh, but you still have to pay me the same amount of money. Yeah. Uh, so that's a, that's a real issue. But... Getting back to the, the original point, uh, I'll put a link in to go and read the Pfizer documents. Uh, I guarantee you the majority of you won't. We're expecting more of these to come out. Well, that's the thing. And the biggest point I'll make is this. If you are trying to withhold this data for 75 years and then you're forced to release it within a period of months, you're probably not releasing the worst shit first. <laughs> You're probably going to hold that on to that as long as you possibly can. Let's see if they forget. Let's put a forgetful thing in the next yeah. booster shot. Oh, fuck. Did you guys hear about that war in Ukraine? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That, and that's that's the play. That's what they're doing. Yeah. Like, it's it's literally this diversionary tactic. If you notice, the media is barely talking about COVID at yeah. all anymore. Do you know that was something that wound me up so hard is the SES crews that were... Yeah. Th- like valiantly saving these people out of like at our street with pockets full of masks Mm -hmm. put a mask on yeah as you're coming out of your flooded apartment Mm -hmm. that that just blew my mind it just blew my mind it's bonkers uh i i don't want to talk shit about them but i've spent a lot of time at the hospital in the last two weeks Four straight days there at the beginning, and then we've gone back twice for appointments. Never been asked to show my back status, even though you're supposed to be fully vaccinated to go to the hospital. And during my time in the maternity ward, I'd say 50% of the nurses didn't wear masks. <laughs> These are medical professionals. And again, I'm not having a crack at them. They know they don't do anything. They're doing the right thing. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And that's what we need to do. We need to normalise 
the real stuff. We've normalised bullshit for two years. We're normalising heart attacks at the moment. Yeah, well, wow. I'd hate to be 50. Yeah. 50 to 52 seems to be the number at the moment. Uh, everyone, all of a sudden, we're having an epidemic of heart attacks. And again, it's very easy when there's a, a, a potential focal point, we can zoom in on it and we can make it look like, we can make it look a lot worse than what it is. Yeah. But then just ask yourself, in your network mm-hmm. of people that you deal with or even celebrities that you watch on TV, mm-hmm. how common is this? Yeah. Because I, I, I can't remember a time. I remember there was like a suicide epidemic of like uh, probably, you know, eight or nine years ago when a lot of like mm-hmm. a lot of mentally ill, uh, like a lot of mental illness was sort of cutting up a lot of uh, people that I was surrounded by. Mm-hmm. But this is a different thing. Yeah, and look, heart attacks can be caused by a whole range of things, mm. all of which were made worse during COVID yeah. by us. So whether it's adverse events from vaccine, whether it's they closed gyms, you weren't allowed to go and exercise, they locked people in their homes, you weren't allowed to go and exercise, you weren't seeing the sunlight, uh, the amount of alcohol consumption went through the roof during the pandemic yeah. because it was one of the only things that you could buy. And people were depressed because they'd lost everything or yeah. they'd lost jobs or incomes or businesses. Yeah. So they're stressed out. They're drinking more. They're not able to exercise. Like, you'd think this stuff ain't contributing to heart yeah. attacks. So it might not just be that it's a vaccine adverse event, but it could still be caused by the it's human response event. to COVID. It's an adverse event to yeah. our, our pandemic response. Yeah. Absolutely. It's, and we're going to see more and more of it. Uh, you know, footy season's just started. Yeah, the first game of the NRL last night. <laughs> Just a quick uh, shout out for all you footy fans. The The opening night of the NRL was as about as NRL as it can get because the first two tries were disallowed by the bunker for stupid reasons. That shouldn't have been? No, like they look by the letter of the law, they should have been, but it was shit. Like, <laughs> the, the, there was nothing more exciting than the opening try of the season, which was a great try scored by Stephen Crichton from the Panthers. Very exciting, and then the bunker calls it back for a shitty obstruction call, and and it's you know the first try the fans are upset. So welcome back to the NRL. Um, but I really hope we don't see players dropping during the season because mm. we might, we absolutely might because you're seeing it in and leagues all over the world. It's not happened prior to this. Let's be real. How many people have fallen over, like killed over on the field? In the oh, last, no, they're athletes. These are the fittest people on the yeah. planet. And I'm not saying NRL players. I'm saying professional sports people are the yeah. fittest people on the planet. They don't have heart attacks. Yeah. Young people don't. Period. Don't have heart attacks yeah. unless you've got actual issues. We're normalising the amount of heart attacks that are happening at the moment. And you see the stuff with Warney. And look, out of any sports person who's going to die young from a heart attack, it's I'll give him shame. Yeah. Like in Thailand, yeah, ripping it up. Yeah, I, I get it. Like. You know, the dude got famous because all he wanted to do was smoke darts, eat pies, drink beers, and bowl people out. I saw some quote. Apparently, Kerry, Kerry Packer must have owned the, like, had a stake in the cricket team or something. And he right. said, hey, Shane, I think you should um, sell the Ferrari and lay low for a bit. So mm. he sold the blue one and bought a silver one. Yeah, sell the blue Ferrari and lay low. Yeah. So he sold it and bought a silver one. Yeah. <laughs> um, but... Yeah, we're, we're normalising these, these also, heart complications. I also don't like the idea of, like, idolise... Look, he's, he was a great man. 100% mm. he was a great man, but I kind of feel like we've got other shit going on at the moment to run a big, massive state funeral. Yeah, I get but, funny about that. But it's a distraction. For sure. That's all it is. Like, think about... 
because obviously the state funeral is going to be held in Victoria. Think about the political shitstorm that Dan Andrews has going on from at the moment in an election year. Like, look at look at this week. You had International Women's Day on Tuesday. On Wednesday, you had Kishalia. Uh, what's that? What's her surname? I'm not even going to attempt it. Is it Kishalia Vigella or something? Yeah. So she's the ex-Labor MP that has just quit the Labor Party. Oh, sorry, got forced out of the Labor Party because she voted against them because that's how democracy works. Yeah, that's their, that's their rule. Their rule is... Yeah, that's right. You get banned from the team if you vote against the team. So regardless of what your constituents want, if you vote against the team, you're banned. Anyway, you had Women's Day on the Tuesday with Dan Andrews, and I think it was the Barbecue Bulletin put out another great photo of, like, nothing says... Equality like two white men standing in front of a group of white women. Because <laughs> they did all these photo ops. And then the next day, you've got this uh, MP, Kishalia, standing up doing a half-hour monologue in Parliament about how she was systematically bullied by Dan Andrews and his cronies, including the Minister for Women, for the last three years. Some of the guys, when I was at coffee shop this morning, they were saying that the New Zealand rugby t- or, uh, like federation got in trouble because the International Women's Day had pitch uh, only two people on the picture mm. and uh, one of them, oh, for a start, both men. <laughs> right. Second of all, one got done for domestic violence. Nice. And the other one is a womanizer, like a no <laughs> womanizer. And like the only rationale was like, well, he loves all women. Yeah, he loves... <laughs> <laughs> But like, yeah. how, like that's how Full that's on. how not used to like doing good things we are. The like that that organisation is like yeah. What what picture should what's we put up? What picture should we put up for Wednesday? Oh, obviously two men. Yeah, obviously two men. Yeah, yeah but which sense. two men should we use out of the entire league? And then they're like, uh, you know that there's a whole women's league. <laughs> None of them even made it on. <laughs> no one watches that. <laughs> but yeah, so getting back to the point, so Dan Andrews has that shitstorm going on right now. So then Warnie dies. How do you win back, you know, people's hearts and minds? Oh, what a great Victorian. Let's have a state funeral for Shane Warne. It's just a, it's just a yeah. distraction. It's just to try to win back people's attention. And, again, it's another virtue signalling thing. And I've got such a massive issue with virtue signalling because I think anyone who does it is a fucking idiot because you're not actually doing anything to help anyone. All you're trying to do is capitalise on the situation for yourself. That's it. You're trying to get Anthony. social clout. Anthony Jeselnik does a great bit about it. Does he? And in his special, he's like, whenever you see someone post something about, you know, some tragedy, you know what it's saying. I know there's a tragedy, but guys, don't forget about me. <laughs> it's so true. Like I, like, I know that person died and that was very special, but don't forget about me. <laughs> I'm it's still so here. true. Barbecue Bolton had another meme and it was... Um, People, like, in lieu of masks, uh, pro-vaxxers are now going to get shirts that just say, I'm a good person. (laughs) (laughs) I saw that. uh, Was it Barbecue Bulletin that said, um, uh, Lismore residents dress as uh, right-wing anti-vaxxers to get government (laughs) (laughs) attention? Have we got anything for Conspiracy Corner? Uh, I just want to say one, well, kind of, um, but one thing on the virtue signaling front. Uh, So we haven't spoken about Ukraine and Russia, but uh, a lot of stories that are coming out recently about... Maybe over in a week. What was that? But there's also the stories about these multinational countries who are doing the right oh. thing and they're standing up and they're pulling their services out of Russia. And it's because of the atrocities that Russia is committing as we speak, right? So did a little bit of digging. So consider this. So McDonald's just closed down... They had like 380 stores or something ridiculous in Russia. 
and they just closed. Ridiculously low? That's pretty low, yeah. really, for a Macca's. But they just closed down 380 different stores. And they were saying it was because of... Do you think they have happy meal? They're not very happy. It's just called they meal. They don't have meal. They have it's, me- it's they don't a, happy meal. It's, have called, meal. it's called meal. Yeah. <laughs> 10,000 rubles. You should be happy that you get the meal. <laughs> but let consider this. Uh, when you own a business in a country, the income that you get from that business in that is in that country's currency. Right? Mm-hmm. Now, not only has Russia's banking system been cut off from SWIFT, which is the international uh, function which banks use to transport money between countries, so you can't get the money out mm. for a start, but I did a bit of digging into what's happened with the value of the Russian ruble. So I know what the value of the Russian ruble is. What, how, how much is it worth? So how many rubles can you buy for an American dollar? A hundred. No, it's worth. Oh, sorry, no, that's the Aussie dollars. So oh, okay, can, it must be Aussie dollars, yeah. Yeah, Aussie dollars, you can buy a hundred. It's so, one cent. Yeah, so I'm, I'm looking at it compared to the US dollar. So it'd be a hundred and sixty. So on the 7th of March, you could buy 150 rubles per yeah. one US dollar. Yeah. Two weeks prior to that, it was between 72 and 77 yeah, per yeah, US yeah. dollar. I was going to say it's doubled. That, halved, sorry. that was the same for the last eight years. Yeah. It was always hovering between 72 yeah. and 77 rubles per US dollar. Yep. Which means any profit that you make in that country literally halved in two weeks. Yeah. Now, I don't know about you, and I know that McDonald's is a very well-functioning business. Happy meal, no toy. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I don't know many businesses. Drink all ice. <laughs> Melted ice. You got any more? <laughs> I don't know many businesses that Straw can. Straw only, knock up. <laughs> <laughs> now, I don't know many businesses that can afford to lose 50% of their profits purely based on the currency within a two-week period and still have sustainable businesses. Yeah. So they ain't shutting down because they don't agree with Putin or with Russia. They're shutting down because the businesses aren't viable. It would cost them money to keep these companies running. That's why they've really shut down. And even if you were making money, you can't get it out of the country because they're cut off from SWIFT. So what you're, what you're saying is, before you go and say, hey... Good job, you guys, mm-hmm. for doing something so noble. Yeah, just understand it was all about the bottom dollar. Yeah, and and recognize this: any businesses, business should be business. Hmm. Yeah, absolutely, and they're always going to do what's right for the bottom line. That's what businesses are there to do. Nitsk, Nitsk, crispy, only apple. <laughs> it's not even apple, isn't it? Isn't it something else? What's an apple... An apple pie. An apple pie. It's not called an apple pie. There's something else in it. It's not apple. It's, uh... What is it called? Can you look it up? It's McDonald's apple. No, no, because they sell apples now. But the apple pie... Yeah, it's it's, it's not... It's not got apple in it. It's got... Uh, hot apple pie. It says filled with Aussie apples. No. Maybe... That's fake news. <laughs> fake news. Maybe in Australia we have to use real stuff and it's America that it's full of, I don't know. It was like some other fruit, but they don't call it an apple pie. Yeah. Because then, you know, that would, that would, you know, you'd kind of have to supply apple with it. 
here we go. The truth about McDonald's famous hot apple pie. This is good con- content while I just read through <laughs> what the ingredients of an apple pie are. Blah, 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 blah. There's, oh, it, it's, it's... Or have I been given a bump steer? I think I was... Maybe. I think I read... Uh, like I saw this at like a trivia night or something. Oh, they used to be fried back in the day. That's a fun fact. Apparently the switch from fried to baked caused national outrage. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, and gave rise to a tiny grassroots fried apple pie black market. <laughs> <laughs> Always got to make the most of a good crisis, right? Aziz Ansari did a great bit on his new Netflix thing talking about the COVID pass. He's like, the COVID pass is so easy to like to be like fraudulent. He's like, couldn't we get the guy that did the McDonald's Monopoly? Like, they've got at least they've got holograms and shit. <laughs> yeah, good point. Good point. Yeah, um, conspiracy corner. Okay, I've got something, um, and this isn't even a conspiracy. This is just a an example of what we've been talking about for, quite frankly, years now about the uh, disgustingly integrated uh, web of the American FDA, Food and Drug Administration, and big pharmaceutical companies or big companies in general. Because another story that you've probably missed which came out uh, during the week, is there's uh, they've appointed a new head to the FDA. Oh, oh, okay, okay. So do you remember a little while ago we were talking about that when they were looking at doing a full approval yep. on Pfizer and there was only an acting head of the FDA, yep. not a full one? But he quit. Mm. So they've just appointed a new head, which is ironically an old head, because this guy has run the FDA before. And his name is Dr. Robert Califf. And... So just to give you his little rundown from his Wikipedia bio, Robert McKinnon Califf, born 1951, is an American cardiologist who served as the 22nd Commissioner of the Food and Drug Administration. He was nominated to be Commissioner in September 2015 by wait, President Barack wait, Obama. Wait, he, They got a cardiologist like, man, we're going to need you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm sorry, dude. We need someone that knows lots about yeah, hearts. Yeah, bro, did you see Shane Lorne? Is that a heart attack? <laughs> we need a cardiologist. Yeah. Uh, so he was nominated to be commissioner in September 2015 by President Barack Obama, and he was confirmed by the U.S. Senate in February 2016, serving until January 2017. Right, so he served for just over a year the first time. Oh, sorry, just under a year the first time around, and he's just been reappointed again. What is interesting, though, is what he's been up to outside of that. Uh, so, if you go back through his career stuff, so he was at Duke University, so. Uh, Califf was granted tenure as a professor of cardiology at Duke University School of Medicine. He was the founding director of the Duke Clinical Research Institute, which is considered the world's largest academic research organization with a thousand employees and an annual budget of $320 million, 50 to 60% of which is funded from the pharmaceutical industry. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. So $320 million a year, call it 50%. So what's that? $160 million bucks a year uh, of funding from pharmaceutical companies. Califf has led many clinical cardiology research studies, health outcomes research, healthcare quality and translational research, which seeks to ensure that advances in science translate into medical care. He was a lead investigator in clinical trials testing the efficacy of the cholesterol-lowering drug combination. I'm not even going to... Oh, statin drugs. Uh, As of 2015, he was vice chancellor of clinical and translational research and the director of the Duke Translational Medical Institute. 
Uh, he's recognized by the Institute of Scientific Information as one of the top 10 most cited medical authors with more than 1,200 peer-reviewed publications. So obviously he's, he's pretty well qualified, mm. right? And someone who's got a lot of experience with research and et cetera. That's probably a good thing. Relationships with the pharmaceutical industry. Caliph worked very closely with pharmaceutical companies at the Duke Clinical Trials Center, convincing them to do large, expensive, and for Duke, profitable clinical trials. He was a paid consultant for Merck, Johnson & Johnson, GlaxoSmithKline, AstraZeneca, and Eli Lilly from 2009 to 2013. The largest consulting payment was 87.5 grand by Johnson & Johnson in 2012, and most of funds for travel or consulting under five grand, which has been called minimal for a physician of his stature. So from 2013 to 2014, he was paid a total of 52 grand. The highest amount was six and a half grand from Merck uh, and all these other companies and AstraZeneca as well. He was the director uh, of Portola Pharmaceuticals from July 2012 to January 26, 2015. Blah, 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 blah. Uh, Forbes wrote that his close ties to the drug industry were the reason for him not being nominated for the FDA commissioner position in 2009. Callous ties to the pharmaceutical industry were criticised by the magazine The American Prospect and Democratic Senators Bernie Sanders and Joe Manchin, who announced their intention to vote against his 2021 renomination, which they did vote against him mm. as well. So, <clears throat> I'm not surprised by this. And no, because... And, and I'm not... And I, I'm actually not even poo-pooing the idea at all, because... Anyone that's in research is going to be getting money from pharmaceutical companies. Yeah. So the problem is not him. The problem's the system. For sure. And this is something where I've sort of spitballed a little bit in the past, where in Australia, we've got socialized healthcare, and I think that's a fantastic thing. But I think the system is broken, just like every other socialized program is in Australia, which you've spoken about many times mm. in the past, because as soon as you socialize anything no one's really accountable for the purse strings. So costs blow out and yep. it ends up becoming more expensive for everyone. Yep. And anyone who has actually gone and got surgery or something like that using private health cover and you see your bill and then you pay your gap, you've seen how much the actual cost of all of these things is now. What I don't understand is... Can, like, just think about this. I, I don't know what Australia's yearly spend is on the healthcare system. I don't know what the number is, but it would be fucking it's astronomical. It's got to be 1200 bucks. <laughs> at least. Yeah. It's got to at least be JobKeeper. Per second. <laughs> yeah. So I don't know what the spend is, but I know that a very considerable amount of the spend would be the cost of drugs that are used in hospitals. I don't understand why in a rich, prosperous, Western democratic nation with a socialised healthcare system that we don't have socialised development of drugs to be used within that system. I don't understand why the mm. entire pharmaceutical industry and the pharmaceutical products is based on the profit motives of pharmaceutical companies. Why does I know it, why. Why is that? Because I'll do it better. Why? So private is always going to do it better because they have to do it efficiently. And if they can put a... Uh, that's capitalism. Capitalism outperforms socialism. But I will throw this to you. How how are they doing it better when there's no incentive for them to do it better? Look at the, the COVID vaccines. That was just a race to get to market first. Mm. The vaccines don't work. Yeah, yeah. They don't do anything. But Pfizer got to market first. Can so they imagine, made all the money. Can you imagine the, uh, you know that, the Pfizer trial where they 
got everyone back that was the control that was on like the saline solution and got them vaccinated. Imagine them now going like literally made it through this whole thing to work out. That saline was amazing. Yeah. But think the thing like what you said there is I, 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 just listen, what you said there makes sense normally where you say that the private system does things better. Mm. But normally that's because there's competition with other private uh, companies and a lot of it's based on quality of the product and on the pricing like the of your service. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah, yeah. But in Australia with a socialized healthcare system, mate, it's a it's a blank checkbook. There's no price pressure on these companies to do better. That's why drugs well, no, are so expensive. Is. But there is. No, no, no. There is. But I, I, do, I do agree with you. I do think that it does stand to reason that we should have. And I suppose, um, you know, CSIRO is a government-funded example of, like, an arm um, mm. of science. And um, I'm not sure maybe we do have a body. I mean, our universities are studying that kind of stuff. They came up with vaccines that don't work but just weren't sold, unlike the other ones. Mm-hmm. Um but yeah, maybe there could be some more investment into state-funded so, that yeah. we can profit from. Let's have a look. So Australia's Doesn't... health spending is a proportion of GDP of 9.2%. Do you know what the GDP of Australia is by any chance? No. Okay, hold on. Here we go. Uh, I want to say it's like 1,600 or 1,900. So $83.5 billion was spent on hospitals in 2019 to 2020 and $66.9 billion on primary health care. $160.6 billion was spent by governments on welfare. I know welfare is the big yeah, one. Yeah, welfare is huge. But here's my point. I, when you are spending obscene amounts on private pharmaceutical drugs to then use on patients in a public health system... Could you not take that excess money that you're spending on that and have your own research facilities? Like in Australia, we have got yes. the smartest minds in the world. In this case, yes. I think in previous cases where you're not going to sell a new product on mass like that, maybe not so much. Maybe maybe the numbers don't stack up. But, yeah. but COVID has changed the game. Well, uh, just to... So yeah, because COVID is the reason why I'm looking at it. Because I yeah. look at drugs like Paxlovid, right? And in all those uh, assessments that came out, Packs of it's being sold for like $700 a course. Mm. And they were comparing that against Ivermectin, it's like 53 cents per course. Now, when, when it comes to Australia, one of the things that we've been screaming out for for the last two years is early interventions. Early interventions, we need early interventions. That's how we're going to get better outcomes from COVID. It's not vaccines, it's not all the other bullshit. It's if you get sick, get treatment straight away. Mm. But at $770 a course, that is a massive blockage between normal people being able to get access to that drug which is why it's restricted and it's only given to older and immune compromised people if they get COVID and go to hospital in Australia because it's so expensive. Well, if you created that drug yourself as the Australian government in an Australian funded facility and then you just use that drug in your Australian hospitals, you're saving $770 a course and you're only going to be, it's cost them like, I think it's $17 per course is the actual manufacturing cost of that drug. Yeah, but the we could have afforded to give everyone packs of it anyway. When you're doing a hundred dollars per Agreed. PCR test, how yeah. much per what? What was the vaccine? Twenty bucks or forty bucks? I, I think it was twenty dollars per per jab. Yeah, you know, but you no, know, I I see what you're saying. I, I I think that those numbers only stack up on the mass release of um, vaccines, like the race to vac- vaccinate 
uh, an entire population. But yeah, I agree. We should be we should be maybe giving universities more incentive to um, come up with our own come up our own solutions. Well. No, but they, they, I mean we have research facilities. Yeah. That that are, that are doing it already. That I'm guessing that is what the that is the function that you're looking for. Yeah, but what yeah what I'm looking for I don't I don't just want the research I want products being manufactured to because what what but they would have if they if if Monash nailed it it would have been made here no that was I the disagree whole thing. and this is this is part of the corruption of the whole COVID scandal for me Australia has not bought one Australian product for COVID we we produce rats over here that we didn't buy. We had a vaccine which was made in South Australia. It's still sitting at the TJ and hasn't been approved yet. Yeah, and that's true. the professor who created it has been banned from social media for just talking about his own vaccine. That's um, true. That's true. So we're not buying his vaccines. We're not buying our own rat tests. We kiboshed Monash's study yep. after everyone got HIV. Yeah. We kiboshed. Well, no, it was actually Monash that kiboshed themselves. They didn't want to go any further with the mRNA platform because of the false positives they yeah. were getting from their, their vaccine. Oh, and by the way, mRNA, which is about to be the real, the fix for everything in the world. Yeah. Like, you're going to be on Nutrigrain with added mRNA. Yeah. But see, like what happened with mRNA... it's not going to do anything. ...where mRNA was publicly... was created by publicly funded research, and now... So you've socialised the cost yeah. of the research, and you've privatised the profits. That's what our healthcare system does in Australia. For sure. We socialise the cost of it, and then all the profits funneled into private companies that sell the drugs to the hospital. Great job for a pharmaceutical... Like, great system for a pharmaceutical... Absolutely. Yeah. But if you're looking at profile. reform... Because the number one reason why the trust is broken in the medical system now is because COVID illuminated what's probably been happening forever, that healthcare is a profit-based system and it always has been and it always will be unless we do something drastic to change the system. And for me, if I'm looking at a reform, instead of paying $770 per course to Pfizer for a pill that costs them $17 to produce... I would be going, hey, let's throw some funding at Australia's best researchers because then you get to keep these best minds in-house as well Mm -hmm. so they don't have to go and work for these pharmaceutical giants to get paid the money that they should be getting paid. Keep them in-house, pay them the money, develop the drugs, and guess what? Australian government has ownership of those drugs and can use them in our own socialised healthcare system. Yeah, I agree with you. Or we should have just repurposed ivermectin and we... We could have had it solved. Yeah, and if you didn't have a for-profit pharmaceutical system, then you would have done that. That's true. That's the the blockage because there's all these financial interests at play which prevent the system from changing. But that's the sort of reform that we need as a government because we've got the smarts, we've got the technology, we've got the space, we've got the people, we've got everything that you need to be able to pump out proper, safe and effective pharmaceuticals for your own people. And you know what? If you want to get your return investment, sell them to other countries. Yeah. No, you know? I'm with you. I'm yeah. with you. That's what we should do. And on that note, thank you very much. JBK for PM. And we'll see you next RDA. Bye.